It's February 26, 2015. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Smith seated directly to my left. Wait, two seats to my left. Norman Chan. I am two seats to your left. How are you? You you have the busted mic stand today, sir. So thank you for, for I didn't taking know that head. existed. Um, you know, because <laughs> tur- I never have had to use it. Also joining us, Patrick Norton. Uh, welcome back. I think this is your first time on. This is only a test proper. You've been on Octobercast a handful yes. of times. Yes. And then we did the Lego building a few weeks I ago. I built Legos with you. I've broken you, bread with you. I've broken donut with you. I've built Legos with yes. you. But never have I done. We made a hummingbird. You made a hummingbird. It was awesome. We ha- we've had breakfast. We we're breakfast eaters. Like we've yes. eaten breakfast at lunch multiple times over by your old yes. haunts. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for coming by again. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, yeah. So that microphone is broken because that's the one that we carry back and forth to Adam's shop. Because we have two microphones that live at Adam's shop, but we only have we have one that carries back and forth. And it turns out these things are bass uh, bass drum mic stands. Because I went to the guitar center, right. and I looked at what was there when I needed <laughs> microphone stands on very short notice. I was like, okay, yeah, that that looks. We can make that work. It has the right screws on it, um, and it has not lasted three years. Is the limit at which the soft metal at the joint here will hold threads when you carry it by the neck. So there you go. It's time to go to the hardware store and get the welder. Uh, no, you know what we're gonna do? We have some nice road boom arms with springs and counterbalances and all that and i have a hole saw we're going to drill holes and i'm just i'm so disappointed i know going the easy route buying I'm professionally manufactured tools that have been engineered over time to do the job 100 percent. so you like you you traditionally work in super professional studios it's not like there's some yahoo with a control panel sitting <laughs> well, the, next to them the studios have become less and less professional over time okay as, as the tools have become more and more affordable so I used we to should show... tell people who you are in case they don't Hi. i mean they should know <laughs> but just in case no no they shouldn't know i'm i'm obscure i'm like a seminal punk rock guy that toured Hi. in the 80s but so i used to Fair work enough. on a show called uh the screensavers which was on a television uh cable network called tech tv which <gasps> depending on where you were where it's either in basic cable or up around channel 7433 or on direct tv right which is where i saw you direct tv was a big deal for us uh and so we we had like a seven million dollar studio there were two complete studios master wow. control satellite just everything like security at the front door the no, whole thing ironically oh, really? like we we were live we had no tape delay and for the first several years there was no real effective security and the front door was never really locked so I, my my nightmare was always uh, especially after uh 9-11 was that somebody was going to walk in the front door and take us hostage it's like uhf yes weird yes. al's gonna come yes uhf but probably with not the as good a writing um fair, fair point okay <laughs> and, and a questionable ending but the but uh so we went from that to i started doing a show called online called dltv for ziff davis which we did with a five thousand dollar tricaster box which is what we use right yeah. here except for ours was i mean now they're a little the, the one we have is yeah. a little more expensive than five well, grand yeah but i mean it was still much more capable compared to yeah that's a vastly improved machine that you're using now i mean we basically beta tested one of the first round of boxes which was an experience i won't go into right now but <laughs> if you've beta tested did, did imagine, kiki come to your house no, but I knew I'd never actually met Kiki at uh, New Tech. I met her at play a bunch of times. Okay, um, you know our friend Drew went to see her band play because she's in a I think a Star, Star Trek cover Star band. Trek cover band. Yeah, 
Yeah, so live that Who's Kiki for people who oh, don't, Ki- might not uh, even Kiki. know. Let's go deeper. I don't legendary Kiki. I don't have. I don't know which button you press to make Kiki come up on the video. The Kiki wipe. But every every TriCaster, at least all the ones that we've ever seen, which is a have, live video mixer. Yeah, it's like a it's like an audio mixer, but for video. Like I can press a button and make another camera yeah. come in if we had more than one camera hooked up. So Kiki um, Kiki worked for NewTek and Play and possibly other companies, but she's known as a demo goddess. She would basically demo these incredibly sophisticated video products. And later on, the Snappy, which was not particularly sophisticated, but... Demo meaning, was that that parallel port meaning thing? Like yeah. Kind of like a video tutorial. Yeah. Yeah, but she would be, she'd be at trade shows and stuff. And uh, Well, and the, the TriCasters come mm-hmm. preloaded with some videos that... Right. that have like basic effects and then also a bunch that feature Kiki. So if you're when you're trying when you first take it out yeah. of the box, probably the first thing you're gonna see when you fire it up is Kiki. On green screen. On a green Just screen. Original oh, Cortana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. That is exactly it. I'm just laughing because, like, you just mentioned Cortana, and I was I, so I got an iPhone six. Okay. Destroyed the screen within a week because I suck that bad. That's how you roll. Yeah, that's, that's how right. Roll. Last time you came in, you didn't have your super industrial yeah. case. So now I have my my replacement phone uh, with my super industrial case wrapped around it. Um, Life proof cases are awesome, but. I was laughing because I, I went to speak to, you said Cortana, and I went to ask Siri something because I hadn't had Siri on in two years. And, of course, it immediately mistranslated it and did the exact worst possible thing at that moment because there were children in the room. And uh, <laughs> so I'm just, I, I just keep thinking, it's better. Well, it's a little bit better. The Glass, actually, that's what freaked me out about the Google Glass was that it actually worked when I spoke to it. Oh, no, it's the little one, isn't it? I got it? the little one. Okay. Because the, the big. The last time you were here, the time yes. before the last time you were here, we said, hey, how's that case? Because you always have pretty sturdy iPhone cases. Yes. And you just picked it up and hucked it across the room. Yes. I'm, I'm, so. I'm, I've, I have entirely too much invested in this phone to be comfortable with throwing it across the room. But if I were going to throw a phone across the room, mm-hmm. the life-proof case would be the phone I would do it okay. in. In fact, here. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay. oh, did I just snap the bottom off? That would something, be really cool if I did. Something popped off. Oh, it was green. The phone, the screen is here. not cracked. Talk amongst is yourselves. That, is There's that really cool news about net neutrality and all those who was left Yeah. <laughs> so, um, sorry, Patrick. I, I always encourage you to do bad things when you come by um the the uh uh the yeah the big news this week is clearly the net neutrality oh hold on but we 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 didn't tell people where they can find you now because you (laughs) you went to revision three you worked at revision three for a while uh you just launched a new thing a couple weeks ago tech thing t-e-k-t-h-i-n-g dot com or youtube.com slash c slash tech thing i just bumped it against my mic cable Uh, here we go yeah okay uh, but I was laughing because, like, you know, every time we I transition, it's usually just some environment where we use less and less expensive equipment. So I've, I've been excited about that. You're like three years away from a from a webcam fr- front facing <laughs> camera on your iPhone, and uh, that's not good. You know, by then it may be awesome. really nice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. What Norm said. You hit, you press the button, the drone flies out, you do your bit, and then it flies back in and lands on your arm again. I would like that. Somebody just released some software. It's like drone tracking software for basically having your drone do the selfie thing. Yeah, we're going to talk, talk about, about that. that. Oh, good, because I can't decide if that scares the snot out of me or if it's really cool. Um, Yes. <laughs> it's a little, little from column A, a little from column B. Um, net neutrality is a big thing this week. Uh, the FCC is voting. It's for us tomorrow, so we don't know how things have gone. Um today on thursday they're making it they're doing a vote uh uh about whether basically just determining whether the fcc wants to classify broadband internet as a uh as a utility right uh under title two i guess title is, the, two. is the rule um and it's a big deal because that basically means that broadband has to be regulated a lot differently than it is now um they're going to waive a fair presumably they're going to waive a fair number of the of the 
portions of Title II that apply to uh, phone companies right. and power companies and stuff like that. So that, for example, things like shared infrastructure over the last mile don't have to happen. It means that there won't be, as there is with DSL, where you can get third-party providers other than mm -hmm. your local phone company that sell DSL to you over the, 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 the phone network. Uh, that won't apply. That stuff, that right. part won't apply to Comcast. But things like regulation and um, uh, uh, access to data and stuff will be regulated. I think peering at the ISP level is kind of the big deal. And I may be misusing the, the phrase peering, but the idea that, you know, Netflix or Google or, you know, uninvented Internet service now or Facebook or Bob's website of joy should not have to pay additional for right. Comcast to guarantee passage. Because, you know, it sounds a little Fast bit like... Lanes. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you want your bits to get there in the right order. You maybe should pay for the superior <laughs> service with our carrier. Well, um, and, and it's, I mean, it, that's important because if you look at all of the companies, most of the companies now that are huge internet companies, like Amazon and Netflix right. and, and Google wouldn't exist as they are today had they not had open access to the internet at all, you know, the whole way, whole way through. Well, I mean, the internet period wouldn't exist today if it wasn't this, you know, it, it was, you know, it was a, a friend of mine uh, who I, I love to death, but he comes from a certain political perspective where he was like, the government shouldn't be inventing things. I'm like, like the internet that's paid your living for the last decade. Well, that's different. Well, how is it different? That was a DARPA thing. So. Have you been talking to Gordon? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Long story, different human being. Okay. Um, but, but. You know, the, the interesting thing about the Internet is it was they basically set it up. Like, hey, packets are going to run free. Right. Right. Well, because it was designed to be uh, self-healing and redundant and right. with built in redundancy so that if a node drops then it continues to work, which is a, a beautiful thing. What that means yeah. is that when, you know, Phoenix falls off the network because right. somebody with a backhoe went crazy. The packets just go around Phoenix and you get where you're going. It's yeah. all good. Phoenix may not have internet because you know, there was only one connection, but that's right. an entirely different. Or, know, or it may be really problem. slow because five connections right. go to one or whatever. But the point is, it still continues right. to provide a minimal level of service. Um, so the FCC is voting. It looked like the, the House was going to pass mm -hmm. some legislation. It seems like they're backing away from that now. Yeah. Well, um, that was the, the, the new Title X, excuse right. me, Title 10. Title X, where they were going to create this new category that basically is a category of utility kind of categorization that is approved by AT&T, Comcast, Verizon, and whoever else is on the that. The people who donate to the yeah. campaigns. Yeah. Well, th yeah. Um, so they're backing away from that. The 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 uh, Democratic Party seemed to not want to participate right. in that at all, at least until the FCC made its decision. Right. Um, Tom Wheeler, who's the chairman of the FCC, is is holding most of those deliberations in secret. I think something like 4 million people wrote in to the FCC about this so, so yeah. far as of Wednesday. That's a lot which of is people. a huge number, yeah. um, especially compared to other, the, the type of response we yeah. get on other issues. Wardrobe malfunctions do not get this kind of response. Right, right. Um, so so it seems like it's expected to, to they're expected to classify mm -hmm. broadband as a utility. Um, obviously, Verizon, right. AT&T, the telecoms are gonna sue. So it, it like, this is a a small victory in a battle along the war, but it's a big battle. I was gonna say I um, think it's a I think it's a big victory because traditionally the FCC, no matter what sort of political orientation, has been like, no, 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 this is not for us to decide. No, yeah. no, no, this is a thing. This is not. And and for the FCC to finally say like, okay, the internet is critical for people to have access to, and having the internet function in the way it's functioned for the first 30, 40 years of its life is critical to maintain. And it's kind of ridiculous that company A that has more than enough bandwidth, and feel free to send me hate mail, uh, ask at techthing.com, um, to tell me how I don't understand this. But essentially, you know, there is, 
you know, if I'm Netflix and I'm offering to pay everything you need hardware-wise for hardware you don't need because there are unused taps, you know, in your colo location, and you're like, no, we can't do that. But what you can do is pay me more so your packets come through. Right. I mean, I, I get that people are, you know, it's it's a hot, frustrating mess, right? Because some of the most successful ISPs out there get most of their money from cable television and enabling video, which is takes up a huge amount of resources on the network that's going to compete with their bread and butter operations probably pisses them off on on a well, on an unmeasurable level. You're talking about Netflix. I mean, Netflix yeah. is a 70% of traffic on the internet yeah. and YouTube combined are the majority of traffic on the internet and they cost nothing or $8 a month versus, I mean, I don't know what you pay Comcast, but I, I have had cable bucks. for I don't know, the better part of a decade at this point. It's a smart man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if, it, it's, it's challenging the incumbent businesses, yes. which of course the incumbent businesses want to protect. The upstarts obviously right. don't want to protect that, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but it seems like we're moving in the right direction, at least. Uh, and and I think the, yeah. the, the Senate and the House are both concerned that if they pass anything that's going to impact net neutrality, it seems like Obama's taking a pretty strong stance yeah. that he's going to veto anything that they do that, he, that doesn't suit him. I think they're also at this point, in, and I'm probably the last person to suggest this, but they are actually concerned about their constituencies being incredibly pissed off about this, too. Well, maybe they're concerned about getting reelected because their constituencies are incredibly pissed off. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a whole larger <laughs> conversation about campaign finance reform that that isn't exactly topical but really is <laughs> if when we talk about that people complain so we'll move on um sorry no 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 it's all good uh i think the next biggest yeah. story is this uh gamalto hack did you hear about this yeah this is interesting uh, i was talking about this on uh we we were uh, laughing is not the right word but you know we were talking on uh on the speaking computer hardware last week about how upset people are with you know Lenovo has some software mm -hmm. you know potential you know potentially just destroys your ability to securely connect the thing potentially has not been used in the wild Lenovo's response has been fantastic they're working really hard to uh, well, hold well, on their uh, initial okay. response was terrible. <laughs> terrible okay well the the first 24 hours I think they were sort of confused and then they were pissed off and then the, when the CTO com comes out and basically says we screwed up right we're going to take our lumps on this you know we're removing it as quickly as we can and we're not going to do it again which yeah. is the more Important thing. Yeah, and I think I think Lenovo. I like Lenovo hardware, and I think they've probably just put together. I'm going to use a really cool marketing phrase: a tiger team. You know, there's probably a half dozen. You know, there's probably a, a bunch tiger of team. It was a not a marketing term. There's a horrible management term somebody used to really? use. Really, never heard of before. Assembling a tiger team is a group of people to solve a problem. Wow, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally stealing that. It's a very the office kind of a phrase to hear. Yeah, you know, yeah. A Dilbert kind of phrase. Um, oh. It's a yeah, it is a, the total point here. Be phrase. misused. <laughs> yeah, I probably have already misused it. Cue hateful emails, but but I, I think there's probably I think Lenovo's going to be stronger for it. I think Lenovo's products are going to be stronger for it. I, I mean, here's the thing. It's, this is we talked about this last week, the smartfish thing last week. If you if you didn't hear the talk, the gist is. Lenovo shipped a piece of malware on their computer on their on their cheap retail computers um, that that allowed an easy right. execution of a man in the middle attack and basically rendered the vast majority of secure websites not so secure. Well, I mean, basically, Lenovo saw a chance to introduce incremental revenue based on having this right. weird piece of software that inserted ads in place. Most likely the yeah. person who said, hey, this is a good idea, looked at, hey, it's five, it's three dollars a year per user yeah. without understanding how it works or what it did. Right. Um, the the problem, the larger issue with that is that the if the PC ecosystem is such that Lenovo, which is at any given point the number one or number two PC builder in the world, right 
can't sell, can't compete at the at the sub five hundred dollar price range without doing stuff like this, like something has to change, right? Either Microsoft has to come in and say, look, you you got to ship naked, or right. you got to tie marketing dollars to stuff or something. But like it's there's got to be some sort of fundamental shift. The race to the bottom. Well, I mean, well, right. There's some. Pr- I mean, it's funny because like HP and Acer both have a couple really cool like two hundred twenty dollar laptops. The Acer is really interesting. The one that is in Target, not the E eleven that's in Target, not. Uh, they're doing different SKUs on retail. We just got an email from a from a viewer on Tech Thing, and he pointed out. Well, he said if you get the one from uh, Target, it has an upgradable hard drive uh, oh. and memory, versus and I think the one on Amazon does not have an upgradable. It's hard just drive. an SSD soldered on the board. Uh, yeah, okay. and I've seen the, the well reviewed, you know, two hundred fifty three hundred. The HP one I yeah. thought was really interesting. Those are still a race to the bottom sense sense that they're yeah. laptops you buy for a year and a half to two years. Or you give it to your kid because it's not right. quite, but almost disposable. And I, I don't like that business model. Well, I, I, on one hand, I agree with you. On the other hand, you know, if the average family of four in the United States is living on $40,000 a year, then a $200 laptop that allows their, their child to be able to do homework and use whatever software that the school wants them to run, um, you know, that, that that's kind of a big deal. And I, I got to be honest with you, I got hands-on with the, the Surface 11, which is the AP one. I got hands-on. There was a, there was a micro. When I got my screen replaced, um, there was a Microsoft store there, and I never actually had a chance to go into a Microsoft store. And I had no idea that, that HP was selling a $200 laptop. The build quality is good. The speed is really solid. Uh, you know, Windows 8. I don't want to run it in 2 gigs of memory, but it does really, really well in 2 gigs of memory because right. it does the memory handling. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was so much that they had to do this to make the price point. I think when you're at that price point, point you know 50 cents here you have, and yeah everything there, you can two do pennies here you know um. well and and i mean you look at lenovo and hp and they're competing with and, and while right. i have used some some really phenomenal asus and, and acer laptops i've also used some really really almost unusable asus and acer laptops because they have something fundamental there's some fundamental flaw like right. a trackpad that's unusable right right um so like i, I everybody makes bad products occasionally Everybody makes bad decisions occasionally. <laughs> the initial Lenovo response, the, ah, oh, no, this is totally cool. We, we looked at it. It's fine. Right. Probably not the right way. They've since, right. we, we were going to talk about it later, but that might as well now. Um, they've since come around and kind of kind of done an about face and, yeah. and said, look, we really messed this up. We won't do it again. Here's what we're going to do to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. And, you know. Well, I, I should point yeah. out, like, the reason I brought this up is because that sounded like such a big deal until the Jamalto story came up. So this is, like, the biggest manufacturer of... Um, SSI, SSI SIM cards. SIM cards. Thank yeah. you. I have no brain right now. Um, you SIM just cards. drove across the bay. And, the, <laughs> I, I, and I found parking across the street. It's, it's amazing. a podcast miracle. Um, but there was uh, but so this is like the, the largest manufacturer of SIM cards in the world. They have like two massive factories in the United States. They just this is a big company. They're making they basically make all the SIM cards. I'm exaggerating, but they make a huge percentage of the SIM cards. Used a, in the world. Like a double digit, high double digit yeah. percentage of SIM cards. Yeah. Yes, you, you probably have one of their. If you if you're in a major carrier in the United States, you probably have one of their SIM cards. And they basically the story was that uh, you know you get another gift from Snowden that the NSA and the the British equivalent, the GSHQ, maybe I can never remember their four letter acronym. Uh, GHSC. GHSC. I, that's not right. Well. I'll again, find it in a minute. British intelligence and the NSA worked together to hack into their network and apparently had grabbed the keys to the kingdom for the encryption codes for like billions of, of SIM cards. Um, well, so that's what the... Sounds like a, a Bond villain plot yes. in modern age. <laughs> so that was the word on the... Str- that was that was what they got that was from Snowden ago. leaks, yeah. right? Um, so from stuff published by The Intercept. Uh, Gamalto has come back and said, look, 
Uh, we did a thorough investigation based on the information that was released as part of the leaks. Here's what we found out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, uh, you know, like many high security companies, they have two, right. two, two or more networks. One that's public facing for employees to use to communicate with each other and the outside world. And then one that's just, you know, the, the, the drywalled, right. what is it they call it? When there's when there's no physical Firewall, connection, it's just a, you have to go across air gaps is it. what they call it. Yeah, so you have to go like it's a it's a private network, and they said they didn't see any evidence of you know intrusion in the private network where the actual keys are, and and I wondered if they read the Kaspersky stuff from last week. Uh, with, I'm looking <laughs> around for tinfoil to put on my head. Yeah, like, of course they would say that. Right. This I, I is mean, a security break-in with a company that deals with encryption. Of course, they spies. saw no evidence. The other thing that I thought was interesting, right. though, is that they said with the information they had, only the 2G SIMs were affected. The 3G and 4G SIMs right. are not part of the keys that were pres- presumably taken or whatever. Were so, the 2Gs then presumably less secure? But I'm sure, because it was <laughs> 2G was 15 no one, years no ago. One cares. And it was probably a 48-bit key. Well, you probably ridiculous. care a lot. Yeah, if, well, if absolutely. You're, you know, in an emerging nation where 2G is the primary network, but... Um, but yeah, no, it was it was interesting to see them because they 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 I, I imagine talk about the the PR person's morning from hell. Well, um, well, no, imagine, if we're talking about it. They're not having a good day. Yeah, uh, you know, and, but you imagine waking up and you're like, oh yeah, apparently Snowden says that we were cracked into and all the encryption has been stolen for all the SIM cards we sold in the last like five years, which is basically all the SIM cards. Can you uh, figure out a way to spin this? <laughs> And so we're going to do a thorough internal investigation, and we will let you know the results next week. And it's P.S. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> and it's like, and I, I, I would like to apologize to whatever press and marketing people are involved with this because there's nothing else they can do, right? Because obviously they're going to do an internal audit, and and you know we have to take them at their word for it. But it's it's one of those moments where I'm I'm starting to think back to my my poli sci prof from a thousand years ago, who was just like always assume you're being listened to at all times. It's a good. That's a good general policy. Yeah, and then the outrage is on both them and the government. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and there's blowback on this already. We're seeing blowback from the Snowden leaks uh, in China. You know, China released their their preferred vendors mm-hmm. list or their approved vendors list for government purchases, and basically they cut the U.S. the number of U.S. companies, including big companies like Apple and Cisco, right. by a third. Sure. So, I mean, I think China's the beginning of that. I think we'll see that in Europe and other countries are just going to stop buying U.S. products so because of our intelligence Chinese agency. products because of the whole hackery thing. That's fair, fair point. Except that everything's made there, including all the phones on this table and half the hardware in this room. Well, and, and if the NSA is actually intercepting package, you know, shipping to get to inject firmware <laughs> into hard drives that go to Russia and, and uh, routers that go to China, then... It's all over. I mean, this is this is it's it's like a William Gibson novel at this point, right? Or actually, it's like a Neil Stevenson novel at this yeah. point. Yeah, or Neil Stevenson times a Bruce Sterling times a Neil Gibson. Yeah, times not, we're a, not we're not to Bruce Sterling level yet. The weather's <laughs> the weather's disastrous, but it's not oh, wait, end that's of the real world. Life in the, yeah. In the, okay. Yeah, wait, I mean, the Great Lakes are frozen over. It's all good though. And we have no water in Northern California. Don't flush. <laughs> if it's yellow, we let it mellow. Um, I had a two and a half year old. I have to teach that to this summer. Oh. It's not going to be fun. But my daughter's favorite thing in the world is to flush the toilet. Yes. like that's a huge victory if she gets to do a flush. That's that's one of the reasons why I now have low flow toilet in my house. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's time. Like I'm I'm looking at my forty year old toilet that, you know, my wife and I have always been judicious with and have a couple of bricks in the tank. And I'm thinking maybe it's maybe it's time to get one of those ones that'll flush a bag full of golf balls. You know. I, I I upgraded my toilet and I would never look back. Really? I, I have never attempted to flush golf balls through it, but I don't have to flush two or three times to take care of like the children's activities. Right? So. Did you uh, did you uh, 
Did you go with the elongated bowl or are you a traditional round bowl? I prefer an elongated bowl. I like an elongated bowl as well. It's yeah. a little more. It's a luxury. It's like the Cadillac of toilets. How elongated are you talking about? Well, there's two, there's two sizes, right? Yeah. I'm not talking about like a four-foot yeah. four trough. I'm talking about a, <laughs> an extra six inches on the front, maybe even four inches. So oval as opposed to a yeah, yeah. round. I've never seen the circle. Circle toilet bowl. Spend more time in, in older houses. Yeah, go, by, go <laughs> to an old modern house. house. I mean, in modern houses, most people, it, it, it's oval, right? I don't have an option for an elongated bowl because if I did an elongated bowl, you wouldn't be able to shut the bathroom door. Hate that. Which is frowned upon. Yeah. Um, unless I put a pocket door in, which then we're looking at like a $3,000 toilet upgrade. Uh, the, I think the, the best pro tip for toilets is the, the porcelain outside. Don't, don't get the one where it's molded. A lot of like angles on, mm -hmm. on the outside. Tough to clean. Yeah, tough to clean. You want the all, as straight down as possible. The least the time floor. you spend cleaning the outside of the toilets, the better off you are. I agree with that. Um, but it's all about the porcelain lining for the entire interior. That's why they flush so well oh, now. Yeah. That and they finally figured out how to understand the physics of like hydrology. Golf balls. Are, are they? Are they? Uh, are those coated now with like the uh, like hydrophobic? No, they don't even. They don't even need to use nanocoating. They just started porcelain coating the entire inside of the tube that goes down into like the, the hole. The gooseneck, the right? Yeah. 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 So there's no friction all the way through. Porcelain's amazing, man. You know why amazing. we use porcelain still? Because it's so amazing. Because it's the best thing. It's it, it does the job, and there's no place for odor causing bacteria. This is why prisons smell bad. Stainless steel toilets smell ter terrible. It's like airplanes. Yeah, but you can't break stainless steel. Well, I guess you could break a stainless steel. You can toilet bend it more than you can break. Yeah. If you could make a shiv out of a first. stainless steel toilet, you're the you rule the prison, right? <laughs> Look, my tool is better than yours. Also, can I use your bathroom? Um. Uh, okay, so <laughs> not to derail the entire yeah. stream of consciousness. I should. I feel like I should play the the bomb noise now. But <laughs> okay. Um, how about some fun stuff? Let's talk about Pebble. How some less dis less uh, less dystopian less future dystopian negative. Depressing things. Uh, Pebble had a Kickstarter yesterday. Probably the biggest product announcement of the week. Uh, well, I mean, Apple sells as many phones in three seconds as the Pebble sold watches in all day. Duh. It's all relative. I know. Uh, Pebble announced the Pebble Time, um, second it's generation Pebble, Pebble Watch. Uh, I don't think See it's a great name. I don't think it's a great design. But the technology and how it's improved over the first gen Pebble it looks to be significant. I think the UI changes are interesting. So the big thing that they did is they put a um, now instead of individual cards, basically. Right. Well, the, the color screen first. I I think, I think people, that thing people are going to notice immediately first. Color e-paper screen. E. I think I disagree. I think the big thing is the UI change. I think the but the color UI change makes disaster. it all the way down to the. I, I feel like I've stumbled in the middle of a long-running war on on smartwatch design between you two. No, it's, I, I think that the product. I mean. Pebble Time is not just a software update. Pebble sure. Time is such a bad it's, it name. It is a bad name. Um, <laughs> E-paper screen, uh, still, you know, it's E-paper, right. so it's, you know, uh, it's not active screen, yeah. uh, you know, moderate refresh rates. Battery life won't Battery be Battery life will be a week as opposed to a day. That's a huge deal, I think. Um, the added microphone, it is curved now and thinner. Still uh, plasticky looking. Still plasticky. I bet they'll do a steel one or, or, or a more right. higher end version. Well, so they have a, in, in a year. The bezel's still stainless steel, but it's coated, so it looks like it's plastic. I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> and then um, the, I don't know if the processors change, but the software that this is going to get software first will trickle mm -hmm. down, and that's a more Google Android Wear now like system. It actually reminds me a lot of Google Glass because you have um, 
if you go down, I think you're seeing the future. So upcoming sure. appointments to do stuff like that. If you go up, you see things in the past. So notifications and, and, and calls and stuff like that. Uh, I think the microphone edition is a huge deal because then yeah. you can respond to text from the watch, which is which is only if on, it works. Only on some apps and mostly on Android. I'm sure it's not going to work on iOS. iOS, <laughs> I think, only has like one app that supports that. Right. Of course. Um, and, and I don't think you can do voice comm like, natively. I, I, maybe that will come in the future. Well, it's or no speaker as well. Right. That's so true. it's yeah. just, a, just a microphone. Is this whole just area of smartwatches just – is this like the classic sort of – messy evolution of a bunch of different i mean because it's funny because the pebble time yeah, i agree it's pebble time what a horrible name yeah mc I, hammer does the ad well for that, you know. a couple interesting things about pebble's company uh they were one of the surprise big first you know 10 million dollar kickstarters right. out there so that's why they did kickstarter again that's, timing for this hold on well presume that's why they said they did kickstarter right. again and, and they did kickstarter again because so they get they're gonna money have product in, in may and then get and money the in apple watch days. comes out at the end of april and they get money yes in 30 days yeah um so, yeah, it launched at the end of February. It ends in 30 days. They're already past $10 million. Right. Know, how many, many tens of thousands they've sold? 34,000 as um, of last night. I'll look now and update. It'll be probably like close to 40 <laughs> now. Uh, they're going to get – they could get 100,000 of these sold just through Kickstarter, which would be a hell of a lot of money. Well, it's also um, – I mean, when you think there's like roughly three-quarter – what was the number? 750,000, three-quarter of a million smart – Phones, smartphones, smart watches have been shipped at this point. A Moto million of so are, are yeah. Pebble. Yeah, I mean, you know, a huge number of, uh, you know, Moto 360s has been kind of the big winner, if there's a winner so far. On um, the Android Wear side. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the Pebble side, I think what they're going to learn is what the upgrade cycle is going to be. They're the, they're the first company that had mass adoption right. on a, a relative, you know, we're not talking about, a bi you know, 74 billion phones, right. but a million phones, but... They sold a million watches. They've announced a product that is compelling on its, on paper. Mm -hmm. they, they've uh, announced 5, a, watches. a smart upgrade path, uh, a smart uh, for software. Thirty-five, four, 30. forty-five thousand watches. Okay. Um, but 40. they're the only people that have data about who bought their first watch right. because of Kickstarter, and who are going to be the adopters, and so they'll be able to pace out going forward because that's one of the big questions with apple watch is it going to be like an ipad style market mm -hmm. where they thought it was going to be like a smartphone market people buying once or twice every one every year or once every two right. years but now they're realizing ipads are more like once every four or five years for normal people um and or smart or smartwatches at that price point 150 to 200 dollars do people are, would they be compelled to buy every two years so so i mean my thing about pebble i was really hoping that this was Hey, we have the same platform. Maybe we're doing some UI stuff on the on the software side, but the black and white screen doesn't bother me mm -hmm. as a as a person who wears a Pebble all the time. Right. Um, I, I love the battery life. I think that's great. I think the the steel had they. I wish that they had leaned into the steel direction and had produced a line of watches, maybe round screens or something, mm -hmm. that are suitable for men and women across a wide variety of styles. I wish that they had leaned into style because I think that by having a lightweight notification only design like i think they that was their competitive advantage and right. i think as they add color and other crap to the watch and then come out with a with the updated design that looks like a toy i i, I, I mean it's like much less compelling design. to me Ugh, I, I don't like that I, I think part of the reason it looks like a toy is because they will have that styled version for the three hundred dollar market, well, but the, the steel is what 150 bucks now it's not it's oh. not super expensive it's not, no way it's 100 they dropped the price a ton um, that's if steel is 150, I would say buy steel right now because you're going to get that software update and you'll be you'll be gold. 
you know, come May. <laughs> well, you'll be steel. You'll be, yeah. 199 uh, Yeah, so, it's still, yeah. still 200 bucks. bucks. It's not going to be the starting at 350 Right. So their competitive advantage already is that they're competing, they're competing in a, a lower price market. Um, we don't know whether the new watch, digital watch wearers, smart watch wearers will be like smart. the high-end high analog watch obsessives who buy multiple watches, who switch between watches. Right. It's going to be much less easier to do that in smart watch because you'll be sunk into an ecosystem that could be tied to your phone. Um, I don't see. I, I don't know if people are going to want to one day wear a Pebble watch, next day wear the Apple watch, next day wear an Android watch. I think you wear, you pick one and you, you stick you to it. You pick one, exactly. I think you go nuts switching between the interfaces on two or three of these different yeah. phones. I mean, it's possible that you might do that or bands. And enjoy it. Bands. That's where <laughs> oh. the money's at. Really, it really is. No, I know, it, but it I mean, really, that's well, that's where that's, Apple plan, is planning to, to make a lot of that money. That's where the money is if people buy a lot of them. Like yeah. if you, I mean, if you basically, if the swatch model works and everybody buys six, then they buy a bunch of bands to make their six into twelve, then they make bank. Um, I mean, it's curious. Cause it's one of the discussions we've heard about the the Apple Watch. It's like, oh, there's going to be a, you know, a a, a jewelry store boutique environment with a separate, you know, like the, whatever they're going to call. Is that them. your Johnny Ive? I don't know what that was. I don't know. If you, have, ever... you, have the, you have almost the, the, the aesthetic. Yeah, we, we could, the, we could do the American version. We could do a. Commercial. We could dress you up and do a commercial with Johnny. Uh, Johnny, I've. Oh, I think Patrick. this would be compelling. Oh my um, goodness! The uh... here's an interesting question: When people buy cases, for example, for their mm-hmm. phones, uh, based on people you know, I know the primary function of a case is protection for the phone. How <laughs> many people do you life. know switch out cases on a regular basis? You know, maybe once a month or once every two months. Well, okay. Based on aesthetics. The Venn diagram for this is like the people I know who test a lot of cases, mm-hmm. and then everybody else doesn't. Yeah, they buy one, and that's the thing that's, that's on their that's phone. That's what my feeling is. But right. I think more and more, and I, I'd love to hear from people, see what they do. I've seen people in my life go switch out a case every you know, month or two. Are you hanging um, out with a lot of teenage girls? No. Okay. But just checking. I'm just saying that when the product, when the phone is ubiquitous. Right. And that becomes the primary differentiating factor. There is a utility to a case, but also it's a one way of personalizing it. Well, in addition I'm to the smart screen, the lock screen, with a watch, the, that's the band. The band has a utility, right. and it can be well designed. It can have you know forty magnets or whatever. But that's also where people will differentiate the watches from each other when the, the centerpiece is going to be exactly the same. I'm, I'm flashing back to the, the fringes of, of CES shows where there would be the people that made the Nokia phone cases mm-hmm. and like 10,000 different, like, you know, fake alligator, fake tiger. You can first bedazzle yours. Yeah. Well, but, but like that, you, and, and, and it's right. People would, you know, everybody's phone looked exactly alike because there was one phone in one color and everybody had it. So people would snap on the different covers for it. And I'm just, I'm flashing back to one of those that was like 30 feet long with like a thousand covers and it, it rains oh. in this sort of rainbow of mayhem from like basically stuffed animals with snap on Nokia covers in the middle to yeah it's it's funny like like I know people who collect watches but it's something you know it, it's funny it's like I have I have at least two pairs of headphones in my bag right now um, plus a set of earbuds uh, plus there's another set of headphones in the car right now right because I've been you never have these. enough that's well true. you know and I get that that's that's like you know I don't buy watches but you know I have a problem with headphones and like digital analog converters not really expensive ones but but it's like I don't it's you a know. thing that you like having yeah. and you like to see what's right. new and find the better one yeah find something I, that appeals to I you. think the people who 
do buy the uh, the multiple watches who mm-hmm. buy who have, you know, may have their five favorite watches and they collect them and they wear them they like the way the the reason the way they like how the watches differentiate from right. each other is a whole package from the band mm-hmm. to the timepiece to the mechanics of it they like th- that the whole thing is designed by one one person or one team and and that is it right or uh, yeah i mean i i think like if you look at somebody who's into your your fancy swiss watches they might get change the band when they first get it to get something that appeals to them, but right. it's not something. It's not something you would change. You're not going to change the band on well, your on but, your Rolex to they, match your but jacket have, that day. But they might have like you know the watch they use you know when they're skiing, the watch they use for their suits, right. the watch they use with their dark suits, the watch they use and with this, their and this could be and maybe that's the ten thousand dollar watch market. If you're going to be buying you know ten thousand dollars suits and watches, then sure you're going to change your band with you know. But it's also like some of the high-end watch ma- the people you know the, the people who make watches that are sold in jewelry stores that will not let me through the door, right? I'm exaggerating they'll, slightly. They'll let you in. They will. I mean, they'll let anybody through. You're it. you're right in the sweet spot now, man. <laughs> he looks well, just old enough to want to walk spend in there money. with a kid. Apple is trying to figure out how that that experience right. gets slotted, shoe, shoehorned into right. their existing stores, which is which is why they also brought in. A particularly spectacular uh, uh, retail store manager from mm-hmm. from Burberry. I apologize, I can't think of the woman's name, but Angela uh, at Burberry. Burberry, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, what I mean, Burberry was like you know this weird little raincoat manufacturer that became one of the premier um, fashion brands in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's you know, Apple's looking at like oh, we can just smell the margins well, but, on that. I mean, but part of that was an iconic, like they had an iconic design. Like they had, they had a, a the Burberry they had a weird the ass Burberry plaid, plaid that hadn't changed in forever, yeah. which is awesome. It's great. I, I, you know, I, I had a raincoat with that plaid inside of it right. back when they were, you know, raincoats. Right when you could, when you went to Burlington Coat Factory and got them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the upshot is Pebble Time. Right, uh, comes out in May. Kickstarter now. I don't think. I don't. I. It's cheaper. I, I've already pre-ordered one. It's cheaper if you pre-order. It's one seventy. It's one eighty. Right. I think ten dollars shipping, and they don't do tax on Kickstarter. Uh, I, I think that they're in a good position, and you know they're not in the let's turn ourselves into a ten billion dollar company. Right. Uh, which is n- nice. Next day, which is f- well, which is fine. They they ha- they have success at the scale that they're working at, and, and they can grow from there. And just to be clear, I don't think, I, I mean, I, I know I don't have a problem with them using Kickstarter to do pre-orders. I mean, if they, if this helps them continue to, like, I like Pebble as a company. They, right. they do good stuff. They make a good product, and they support their users really well, or they have so far at least. Well, I mean, it's, it's if, if the consumers will carry the freight so that you don't have to get a loan or, right. or you know. I mean, if this, if this, Funds their initial production mm-hmm. run for this watch. Right. That's that's great because what will happen. I mean, if I, I don't I don't know that this is what they're doing. This is my assumption is that they're taking the money that they make on this initial run and reinvesting it so that instead of ordering however many watches that they actually sell, mm-hmm. they'll order that plus whatever the margin on their watches allows them to get. Right. Then they'll be selling those watches for two years and they'll w- the people who are pre-ordering have funded that, which but is great. That's that, as it should be. That also brings us to Norm's question, which is: Is the the adoption rate in this going to be every two years? Is it going to be every one year? Because it's like the the great dream of television. Because there was this two or three year period when people were buying like a the 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 longevity of televisions went from 11 years to in the initial years of HCTV down to about three years yeah, yeah because the 720 1080 right. 1080 LED 1080 
and you know, it, it's 240, 3D, 240 hertz. 240 hertz, no glass 3D, smart TV, no yeah. smart TV. And it's it's curved. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> the curves, guys. Curved, curved. Now 4K. Which, ironically, in the, the high-end 4K television market for Samsung, outsold flat TVs. And I was like, well, if you're going to ridiculously overpay for a 4K television, you might as well ridiculously overpay for a curved one that looks that much more different than your neighbor's television. So, <laughs> I mean, for me... I, the thing I would like to see Pebble do now is start licensing technology. Like they, they've built a platform; it works really well. Um, I, I would love to see them licensing technology out mm -hmm. to other watch manufacturers so that we can actually. Because the thing I want is just, like the bummer about the Pebble Steel is that when you walk into a room in San Francisco, right. two thirds of the men in that room will have a Pebble Steel. This is not a huge problem for the vast majority of the people listening to the podcast. I, I understand, but as they continue <laughs> to succeed, it will be right. They need they need diversity in design because like my wife my wife has a they has can, they an can develop orange and, pebble and pocket that plan until they deem the market ready for it. I mean that's true, but I, I mean I think they're missing. I think I think like I carry my phone in my pocket. I can right. always feel it vibrate. It's not a problem. I don't I don't need a smartwatch. It is a handy thing for me and, mm -hmm. and I like it. But my wife carries a phone in her purse. The phone she has a choice between either the phone being obnoxious and loud everywhere right. she is. Or missing calls and right. texts and notifications, which is a problem, and it sucks. And like by ignoring women and making products that aren't particularly attractive, I think they're missing a big opportunity. I think that that could Cue be the bread angry and butter emails of their... about you defining that women no, only no, no. want to wear attractive watches. It's, it's frankly, it's just too big. Yeah. That's the problem with it. Is it's not. It's not that it's. They're, but they're all too big right now. I mean, look, I, I you, know, I literally. You like, have big manly wrists. I have too. ridiculous wrists. Most watches, like it, it, the first thing I do when I see a smartwatch at this point is I see if I can get it on my wrist, and invariably, you know, any of the smartwatches I've seen so far, I am on the second or third to the last notch on the strap. And I'll, get, right? I'll make the argument that yeah, if they're ignoring ignoring a certain market, a demographic, a taste demographic, we'll right. say, uh, everyone, and everyone else is doing the same thing, then no one's, you know, the opportunity cost right. is well, Apple's, low. Well, Apple's at least doing two different sizes. There's a, one that's four millimeters smaller, diagonally. It's, it's still pretty it's big. It's still, still going to be a honking big watch. I think yeah. the companies are still figuring out a way to get the tech into a size where then they can then design the cases without the limitation well, of, of the, that but, watch. But look, Pebble could, if Pebble could do seven days on a, on a giant dude-sized watch, why not make a three-day dainty lady-sized watch? That's a compromise. That's that's a strategic I mean, I, compromise. I think I, that they're making that a core prop yeah. proposition of their platform. Yeah, and what I, I don't if, think I, that would be. Oh, sorry, I was no, going to no, say no, what no, if the evolution because it, it's funny because like you know like you pointed out, I have huge wrists and yeah. almost every smartwatch I put on so far, like I don't particularly like. At some point when I started typing for a living, wearing a watch became a problem. That is a like continual continual you know, hassle. You know, carpal tunnel. So I started wearing using pocket watches again, like I did when I was like six, except they were nicer pocket watches. But like when I put on, you know, I can put on like a Timex watch and not be particularly bothered by it at this mm -hmm. stage of my life. The smartwatches are all like I have, you know, I've turned my arm into a mace or a morning star or and the you know the screens are all even the elegant ones are just you know they're elegant in the way that a tank is elegant yeah you know what i mean they're they're big and they're massive because they need batteries you know if you know it would be nice if we get to the point where you could talk to the phone in a manner where the phone would respond so given the you know the okay glass where it actually works and then we can eliminate the need to have this screen that's large enough to poke things at i just I, it's the, i think there's just whole evolutions that we're not even remotely close to seeing in terms yeah. of the interface and, and how they handle it. I, and also, I don't think infrastructure is ready to a point. I mean, we could see a whole paradigm shift in terms of where batteries are stored. And right. batteries are uh, le fewer batteries in your phone and more in the environment for, batteries. Um, for, for charging. 
Um, Wire wireless charging. I, I'm really hmm. interested. Like right, nice. right now, I'm not super keen on interactivity. Like I want minimal interactivity from that watch, and I'm interested to see what Apple's done with that. I like. I think that this first iteration is going to be real rough because I think they're figuring out the the. Mm -hmm. The design language for for how you interact with a thing on your wrist, which is a big deal, unless yeah. Steve mapped that all out before he departed. Oh, um, from anyway. from smartwatches to other future technologies. <laughs> next week is the Game Developers Conference, and that was a really nice segue. Uh, at the Game Developers Conference, we anticipate uh, last year we saw you know Oculus was there showing off uh, their 1080p prototypes. Or actually, they announced DevKit two at last year's GDC, yeah. and Sony uh, showed off their Project Morpheus. Uh, which is the PlayStation uh, PlayStation 4. Was that the first place we saw that? Very yeah. first place that was announced and seen. PlayStation 4, uh, some future prototype product. We don't know what's going to come out of either of those camps. We do know that uh, one company that will have new VR technology is Valve, Valve Software. Oh, my God. Uh, is Half-Life 3 coming out? Well, they're announcing they're doing three things. <laughs> OMG, three things. They're doing three new, new Steam boxes, Steam machines, and which we haven't seen a push for Steam machines <sighs> since over a year ago at CES. Um, well, they so they proved that people were interested in the concept, not just journalists, but actual people blew their because mind. Because you can, you can out. download them and you can right. build your own Steam people, machine. Thousands no of people have built it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then but, they went, where are the games? But, <laughs> well, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm just using it to play on the big TV in the living room and stream. Right. That's true. Like, that's literally all I want is an arm box with nothing else on it, a stick I can jam in there. And you know, you can do that with a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, you, and a Raspberry Pi 2. Great yeah, Steam machine two, slash, uh, slash puck yeah. box. You, well, you can stream the Raspberry Pi 1. It's We've my, done it. My, well, <laughs> we'll talk later. But anyway, yeah. um, uh, the, the Steam machines that were shown at last year's CES, you know, mm -hmm. we saw almost, I don't think there was a single small arm box. They were right. all full PCs that could like run games locally, Linux games, the, of course. Right. The smallest thing was like a Nuke or that uh, that Gigabyte box with the actual GPU. Yeah, which well, like not an actually branded you know, Steam machine partner. Right. Um, so this year we're going to see new Steam boxes, of which we anticipate. They're, they know what the usage for Steam machine is like. For people who've downloaded the software, because they can track all that, right. they know what people are doing streaming. They know what the, what's uh, what bit rates, what in-house, all, all that stuff. Information is great for developing and, and, and programming a new hardware. They're going to do a finalized version of their Steam controller, which really? we also haven't seen since GDC. And I say final because it's weird. They had a press release that did say this was the final version, and then in their website, on the Steam Universe website. They said it's the refined version. Huh. <laughs> I assume refined at the very least, but my hope is that it will be something. Presumably, final. they're still using the weird actuators and the touchpads, but maybe I not. Don't right? I think so. I, I I don't know. So, um, last year the Steam controller was supposedly their solution for you know couch gaming, lean back PC right. gaming. This is going to be able to. Um, replace your keyboard and mouse actions for games that require keyboard and mouse using linear actuators on on large well, touchpads haptic feedback is the bar for this dota 2 is that what is that what like that's a valve game right yeah dota 2 or first person shooter hmm. um they I, did some demos last year with like some you know mouse cursor based games like papers please um but they have been radio silent on this for right. almost a year now uh Right. Well, it they had that Steam be. Dev Conference, and then basically they sent a bunch of dev kits out with the controller and then said, hey, we're not going to talk about this for a while. Right. Like Originally, you were supposed to have a screen on there, a touch screen on there. Then it was replaced with buttons, and who knows? Um, but the Steam controller could be changed completely, and this is, again, all speculation, because of their VR hardware. So instead of, and I think this is actually a better angle, instead of developing a controller mm. that's better for couch to try to put your desktop gaming on the couch, right. develop a controller that's going to work in VR. 
that's going to work well for VR. That's actually usable and, and will ship. Speaking of Stevenson re- references, um, yeah, so <laughs> too soon, man. Steam VR <laughs> is the the completely new thing. Yeah, this is. Well, we've known they've been working on it for a long time. Right. When Michael A. Brush left a Valve to go to Oculus, uh, word leaked quickly that they had shifted from AR at Valve to VR. Well, they um, invited they invited Oculus up there when when you saw the wired feature on uh, on Oculus, the cover story right. on Oculus uh, with Palmer Lucky on the cover, and they had photos of their shop with QR codes. That was Valve's technology that I think they had sent down. Yeah. And they had not been shy about getting developers at the Valve Dev Days to to try uh, their VR system. You know, Abrash was working on that long for long, much longer than right. he has been at Oculus so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Valve knows how to make games. They know how to make they they they, know, they have a distribution game distribution service mm-hmm. built into Steam. Um, I think that if they can, it's going to be a it could be a three device race this year for VR. If this is something that's at the end of the year, I don't think Morpheus is going to ship this year, guys. Well, we'll two, know, at least we'll two on the PC know more next week. Yeah, um, is one of those the Oculus Rift? Yeah, okay. theoretically. And they they know what the bar is at. They they know they know all the benchmarks, the the milestones for for right. presence. Um, the, dif- the that's the difference between the other stuff that we've seen, like the razor the razor right. prototype thing that they showed at CES, is that Valve actually like I have faith that Valve actually understands the the challenges and has and, experimented and with, the ex- right. right with so many different types of head tracking. Um, well, they're also. I mean, it's nice that they're basically trying to build it. They're they're focused on gamers, as ridiculous as that sounds. Oh, instead of you Facebook, know. instead of Facebook. Well, well I, Oculus is focused on games initially, but they're also they have right. departments that do you know storytelling, media stuff, and maybe that's that's a good thing because we need those to happen in in VR the VR space uh, for VR to be more than just a, to be to be more yeah. pervasive in mainstream. Um, this is really and Oculus has an episode. <laughs> Oculus has maintained that they are you know they started as a PC gaming company, right? So they're not going to abandon those roots. Right. If you look at Gear VR, it's still mostly the most of the content is games, and oh. stuff at Oculus Connect mostly games, right. um, but Valve is purely games. Yeah, I, well, well, I think I, Valve is so customer oriented. I think in so many ways, and they just they kind of have all the data and all the gamers and all the stuff they're doing. I think there's oh, just especially a, in terms of like graphics cards and what yeah. people are are using. So. What machines are capable? They of. would not release yeah. a product unless they knew they could sell. Well, to the right amount of gamers. I mean, e- even if here's here's the other thing is right now everybody's built their VR applications using the Oculus SDK or right. the Samsung Galaxy Gear S- the Galaxy Gear SDK or presumably Morpheus. How I mean, as far as I know, there's no middleware to let you build one VR application and then mash the button and send it out to the Galaxy Gear. The Oculus Rift and the and Morpheus. Well, you have to have like, you know, in theory, robust, well-developed platforms to start doing something right. like that. So, I mean, I it's, still it's, think even if Valve does something, they, we're still looking the at engine. a ramp the same mm-hmm. as we've seen with Oculus. I, I think once it's in Unity and UE4, it's you know, you well, get we, plugins for both, and it's just easy. That's true. And then you toggle and tweak some variables. UI um, stuff is is, is gross all, oversimplifications. We welcome your comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what we do here. So that's next week at GDC. Uh, what else is it? We have Magic Leap? No, we don't have... Well, well I, mean, I wish we had a there Magic is Leap a, demo. Presumably a Magic Leap demo not, not happening. A G- not no, a GDC? MIT got a, the only Magic Leap demo ever. Norm, what's Magic Leap? Thank you. This is augmented reality. Uh, so we go from VR to AR. Uh, uh, Microsoft's already doing that. Well, uh, <laughs> and, and oh right, right. So Microsoft HoloLens right. is... They made a big splash uh, when they did the ago. Windows 10 event. 
um, with an, a product that will come out, they say come out by the around the Windows 10 timeframe. So we're sure. assuming end of this year. HoloLens, you know, football helmet type device, computer built in. Right. And the big thing with augmented reality, let's call it what it is and not holograms, is it projects an image onto a visor, a, trans mm -hmm. a transparent visor. Uh, perspective done right so that it looks like it's inhabiting the real space. So there's two things going on. There's the uh, image on the visor, which is correct to your, your view. It looks realistic enough. And two, there's environment scanning. So right. it knows, it has a general sense of the surfaces, walls, tabletops, right. floor in the room you're in so that those uh, images, digital images are mapped properly. That's AR. That's yeah. that's good. That, mean, that's good AR. And the classy thing is like, you know, a f you know pointing your phone at you know the monocle know, a statue right. or yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's you know, people have been playing around with it in many 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 different ways. But right, kind of, and, and, it's and, all been kind of crappy so far. But you, you think about you talk about the phone thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the phone thing uses you know GPS and gy gyroscope, right. you know, IMU data, uh, but doesn't have a lot of great translational detail. It doesn't do room scanning. The, when you do like a camera pass through, it's like putting you know the, the Yelp monocle right. thing is what you first think of the the dots in a far distance, how far, what direction. The compass right. orientation is is the best thing you're going to get. Well, and the, then the, the more accurate thing is QR codes on the table, and where you need to actively put a beat in. the 3ds or the Vita. Right. The, the best thing actually we've seen so far, I think, is probably that structure sensor. Uh, which is a depth sensor that you hook onto the front of an iPad, and then it, it can build a model of your room, mm -hmm. and you can have things like a virtual dog that's interacting with a real ball in the room and stuff like which that. Which takes the place, with sheer computational power, uh, takes the place of the QR code. Right. The the need well, for Well, it's, it's using the depth sensor to pick up. You, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you can do. Like, there's a lot of... Um, I feel so meta right now. Just like, you know, the, using the hardware to replace the QR code to can have interactions with your virtual dog. Like, <laughs> yeah, and the virtual no, it's, dog it's is much true. dumber than a real dog, it turns oh, yeah. out, too. Um, but Magic Leap is going to be it's going to be very similar, and they've right. got a lot of people on board. Google's invested five hundred million dollars. These in it. they're out of Tampa, right? Is that that company? I don't know. Where Nobody really knows a lot about them. I, I thought they, they have were patent, in They have patent filings. Okay. Um, they had they have they did a, one of their guys. I think they may have done a TED Talk uh, a while ago. One of the founders. That I think they're the ones with uh, Neil Stevenson on board, mm -hmm. or um, and then but. From this MIT press demo, which I think right. is the only press demo they've done so far, uh, which they also couldn't be specific about the way the technology works, the difference is going to be there's no screen that's projecting. So as opposed to it being uh, an image on a translucent screen, it's going to be bounced into your eyes, much like the the DLP Retina displays. Let's 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 cue just lock down in one part of that sentence: bounced into your eyes into your eyes well it's yeah. better than jack straight into your brain well I, I mean it's it's funny like you know virtual reality not augmented reality doesn't really exist until you can pretty much you know put a jack in somebody's neck and sort of do a neural cutout that, actually that's not true there's a lot of there's a fair amount of research that shows if you can if you can fool the sense enough of the sensorium you'll get a f true feeling of presence with okay. goggles headphones skin suit and smell-o-vision yeah, I, 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 I plus something I just, you jack your tongue into. I'm probably. only at seventy percent sensorium. Yeah, <laughs> so many terrible places that entire thought train is going to that I won't really. Oh go my into god, right the smell of vision's off. It smells like we're at a dump, and it tastes like bad oysters. That's actually much less horrifying than where I was going. Good. Probably, at at, at CES this year, human. did you get a chance to try the Avagant stuff? No, but I've tried similar stuff in the past where it's like the the sort of wheelie platform you walk on and your hips press. No, 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 no. Oh, so so Avagon That's is virtuous. A, Virtuix. Okay. Yeah, uh, Avagon is a it's a HMD maker. They okay. Make, like a, a 
head-mounted head mounted display. displays. Um, not VR yet, right? Because um, it's not the same field of view or head tracking, but more akin to like a, a sure, like the Sony ones, like a media player. Um, but instead of having an LCD panel or an OLED panel, uh, they're using DLP projectors um, and bouncing it not on a screen, not on like a rear projecting TV, but then directly into your retinas. That's intense. Um, yeah, and and but but the effect is that it still looks like. A, like a there's like a box in front of you with an right. image, but there is no grid of pixels that it's bouncing on. The pixel fills all done in your eyes, and so it looks like even though it's a 720p image right. or a 768p image, whatever it is, it looks uh, more cohesive as a. As there's a, there's as, no as screen door basically because the mirror. That's a big deal. Yeah, it made it made a huge it looked really good. Um, so if that's I, I think that's what Magic Leap is doing, which mm-hmm. I think if you're going to want to do AR, that's going to be a smart way to do it. So, is it going to be glasses? Is it going to be a hat? Is oh, it'll, it be be a, a it'll be a headset. Okay. It'll be a headset, but instead of it being, you know, the football helmet, right. where you're seeing a, f- a projected image like a on the screen, character in a horror flick with a right. science fiction, bed. you know, it yeah. could be on the edge of your eyes, right. bouncing it in. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it's I don't know. It's 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 obviously the 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 big battle here is one getting something that's actually compelling, and two getting to the point where people will want to put it on and not be afraid that somebody's going to sneak up behind them and beat them with a stick. Or, or ridiculed in public. It's the Google Glass or Segway effect. Right. You know, Segway isn't a terrible idea, but <laughs> it, it, socially it was just unaccepted. Uh, yeah. It was, well, it it was, was killed. You know, in the, it the was big killed problem with Segway was it was too expensive. Yes, but it, like, was, it, well, was, it could have overcome grand. that with a, its practicality, but the court of public opinion made it... I mean, uh, the, the first time you saw a dude with a helmet riding a Segway chariot, giving out, you know... Yeah, info flyers I mean, or Dean, something. Dean Kamen is an amazing human being. Is does incredible things, and I have a, I have a couple of friends who are diabetics that her, their lives are just so much better because of his work. Yeah. So I want to say that up front. That said, Dean Kamen basically saying, you know, the super scooter that sounds like it came out of a Heinlein novel from 1953. Excuse me, a Heinlein short story that involved unicycles. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a great short story. I'll find it somewhere. It's I have a, like a collection of science oh, yeah. fiction from like 1947, and it's in there. This thing's like four inches thick. But but it was like this is going to solve all the problems of the universe. And traffic were eliminated, and it's it like I could see where he had just built out this entire ecosystem where the Segway was going to save it. And then there was the total arrogance. And this part I'm a little pissed about of like there was no way you can crash this. And I'm like, dude. My father crashed it within five minutes of getting on a Segway. Literally, the first time. I was like, the first reported head injury on it was less than a week after. It was as shipped. soon as the wheels come off the ground, you're boned. You know, and it's and it doesn't. It's just people, and, and anyway, you, you think of the you know the the comparable right. product now, which is the electric skateboard, and some right. are gyro based, some of them are you know remote control based. Segway is still technologically vastly vastly safer. superior and simpler and more advanced, yes. and easier to use, still more expensive. But you can't ride. But, you can't carry cargo with it. But the, the skate, but the really. skateboard, well, with the panniers and stuff. The, the skateboard is an iterative change yeah. over what's socially acceptable. People, yeah. I, I feel more comfortable riding the electric skateboard than I would the Segway any day. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to talk about the electric unicycle I've been testing in a minute. <laughs> the, no lie, um, that's the thing I never thought I'd say. Also, <laughs> just just for the record. So, um, uh, speaking of technologies that failed. Uh, that, that were ambitious and made, could not capture an audience. Uh, have you used Lytro? Kind of. Lytro is the... I mean, it's, it's, it takes a picture yeah. and then it allows you to basically zero in the, the, the focal plane or the focus. Yeah. Near field, uh, light field technology. The, the resolution has been wanting in such a painful way. Yeah. Um, so the, again, concept great, but right. fundamentally just did not under, 
did not take into account, I think, the people why would actually people want to use it. Why people photographers would want to right. use it. Yeah. Um, it was expensive too, right? Expensive. They yeah. did a second model, which looked more like a, 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 a you know mirrorless camera, but still had limitations. And now uh, they are completely pivoting. They are doing virtual reality. Wait, uh, what? And, and yep, they're changing. Wait, capture? They're finding, I don't know, maybe, but they're finding a way to use that technology. They got $50 million in funding huh. to pivot their company to, to move away from. So basically, to use product. it, bake it, work it backwards, essentially, is what they're going to do. Which I think for virtual reality, yeah. we're talking about like yeah. a, a multi camera setup and capturing all the light information right. that you can then process and, and, Shift. Film, and, and right. choreograph a film later. For virtual reality, that would consumption. be pretty cool. I mean, part of the problem with the VR video capture stuff now is that you have either you have to do a really high shutter speed and a, uh, a really low shutter speed and a wide open. Hold on, other way around, a closed aperture with a traditional camera. So then right. you have to do either a high ISO or low shutter speed for any place with even the the most lightly challenging light. Right. Or think about three D. One of the big right. problems with three D films in, is that. Uh, your eyes, your, your your eye, the focus of your eyes being directed by mm -hmm. the cinematographer, well, forced, as forced into a focus where uh, if the storytelling works, then right. sometimes that's seamless. But for the most part, it's not. Now, if there, if you're talking about video that can be shot with light field technology, where there's eye tracking right. and it can be perfectly seamless, where you know your where your eyes look is where it focuses on. Right. No, that's uh, that's, that's no that's delay. That's a big deal. I mean, I, if we pointed in one direction, the three of us would probably look at three different objects over there at three different distances. Nope, resulting the cat, it's the cat picture. You can't not look at the cat picture. <laughs> well, then that's that's the directed that's the yeah. directed image. But there's two cat pictures, right? They're so which one is going picture. to be? But which one is going to be in focus? And with Lytra, it doesn't right. matter because they're both going to be in or, focus. Or the information to make them in focus for you is there? Is Schrodinger's yeah. focus? Um, no, nah, forget it. Bad physics references. I'll stop now. I'm a lit major. <laughs> couple, couple other new things. Moto Rola, Moto E. You got one. Moto E showed up this morning. We, yeah. we didn't even know that. Uh, it was you're, weird. you're on a list. I, I, you're, I, on, I you're, on the, you're on the nice list. A special. Probably, well, I bought a Motorola G uh, on my own and said a lot of nice things about it. So maybe, maybe they decided to put me on the nice list. But so uh, a little bit smaller than a Moto G, um, Snapdragon uh, 410 processor, which is faster than the quad core processor in the Motorola G. 4G LTE with a Snapdragon 5X. So they're claiming like maximum theoretical 150 down, 150 megabits per second down, 150 up. So it'll and, take and advantage of the Moto G to to reiterate was the uh, budget version yes. of the Moto X uh, that was smaller, uh, only had 3G, no LTE, right? Uh, but was very low cost, like they, one, 129. Yeah, well, no, it was 199 for the Moto G. So they did it. It was funny. I bought like the short-lived. Moto G 4G LTE, which was ah. awesome, and now I know why they disappeared it because this was coming on yeah. the way. Mm -hmm. So faster processor than the Moto G, um, very nice build quality, very solid, um, bigger screen than the Moto, the previous Moto E. So basically, fa newer processors, uh, double the number of processors, double the amount of memory. So there's eight gigabytes of RAM into it instead of four, which means you actually have usable memory, about five gigs. Um, Hundred. 70 bucks 149 dollars 150 bucks off contract yeah this is like the f best first kids phone it has a lollipop and runs real close to stock 
it's yeah, it's really nice. They've the the I'm actually really liking Lollipop, and I've just gotten to play around Lollipop with it. Lollipop's great. Um, the screen is not fantastic. No. Um, you know, it's it's I guess they call it like QHD, so it's like 960 by 545. Uh, it looks fine when you're looking at stuff on it. It's not nearly as suave as as most of the you know other phones coming right. out in 2015. Um, classic Android camera, five megapixel. In this case, like the previous Moto E, no LED flash. Um, you know, so it's like a five megapixel f2.2 camera. The selfie uh, camera is uh, like VGA. Ooh. So they're yeah, they're so it's a video conferencing camera, not uh, something you should take pictures. With. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you're going to want somebody else to take your selfie for you. And it's not, you know, it's 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 a classic, not so hot Android camera. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a high end burner. Yeah, well, it's a, well, <laughs> it's funny. Like for everything but taking pictures, it, it's it sounds a lot like my kind of feel about the 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 Motorola the Moto G, which was that everything. If it wasn't for the camera, like I would totally still be with that phone. And it's that was kind of the frustrating thing for me. Battery life's going to be interesting because it's a slightly bigger screen and like a. Uh, 2900 uh, milliamp hour battery, 2930 milliamp hour battery. So I'll be curious what the battery get over life is like. That. But the build quality is outstanding. It, yeah, it, it felt, feels really. I mean, Motorola's made really nice phones starting with the first Moto X. I, I mean, yeah. I think the hard, the, 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 the actual feel of the phone in your hand, yeah. the thing that we're not supposed to say is really good. Yeah, no, it, it feels, I mean, it feels fantastic. I was really impressed. Uh, micro SD card slots, so you can stuff all the stuff on there. I And honestly, I really like the kind of semi-gloss eggshell plastic like yeah. it's a really neat finish that you don't see on phones too much these days available in white available black available now and then the two processor the the less expensive one the 3g lte version is or the 3g version is going to be uh, a dual core snapdragon 200 selling for 129 bucks wow it would like that and that's the, the on contract price or the, that's, the, all, that's, that's everything that's is off that's contract. amazing yeah. yeah this is a 150 dollar phone this yeah. is the phone you buy when you break your old phone yeah, I mean, literally, that's why I bought a Moto G, because there was no way I was buying an iPhone 5 when I knew the iPhone 6 was like right, two months right, away. Right. And then I was like, you know, I really like this phone. The camera sucks. I really Make sure like there's phone. no Smurfish on it. Can you can you put the change to that bezel? Is that, yes. that thing you popped off? Is that yeah. why it pops off? Yeah, okay. so there's like white, red, and blue, and cool chartreuse, and who knows what all else. Um, let's see, the perspective, perceptive shift, which we alluded to a little while ago, is a plug-in for quadcopters and drones and multi-rotors that lets your camera do, uh, I presume, face tracking. It, they don't, it, it <laughs> this was is, this unclear is a, to me. This is a hardware accessory for your quadcopter. Um, for only two quadcopters right now, three robotics, Iris, right. and uh, the Phantom quadcopter. And it's, it's something you mount on top of your quadcopter, mm -hmm. small box, which has a camera on it, in addition to some software and hardware. And then you plug into your quadcopter so that it takes control of some of the the features it, it broadcasts basically it broadcasts on the, on the the frequency um so what it'll do is uh because it ha has its own camera it will scan a scene and broadcast that to your tablet you can then tap on your tablet a subject right for example a dude walking or a bicycle or a car and, and do you select them by tapping on them on the screen is that you the draw way it works box. okay you draw a box you drag a box uh and then it'll identify lock that in and just like most modern digital cameras these days have some type of motion tracking, mm -hmm. subject tracking right. uh, for depth. Uh, it will subject track over the frame <laughs> and then send the signal back to the camera and the quadcopter to move it so you have an automated dolly shot, a tracking shot. So, And they're selling it uh, 
either pre-installed on one of the other ones, or presumably they'll sell an add-on for people who already have quads. It's, it's add-on it's still now under two grand, right? It's six six hundred bucks for a. I'm saying with the quad, with the Iris or the Phantom Two, it's still under oh, two yeah, grand. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, it's yes. The answer to your question before is yes. It's terrifying because it does object <laughs> avoidance in the whole thing. Like if you replace the camera with say machine gun, right? Blow gun. Then you have a you, the beginning of Skynet. You have a target <laughs> tracker. Yeah. Yes. This is, but I think it's it's crazy expensive for this type of thing. Six hundred bucks. But I mean, if you're well, Ray, you know why it's crazy expensive? Because you do the same thing with the Phantom SDK. What's stopping? Well, presumably, unless know, they have a depth camera or something on this thing, because you dangle this off of the off of the quad, right? So what if they're what if they're actually mapping? What if they what if they? I mean, how are they doing this? What what is the mechanism by which it works? By Imagine. which what the shift the, works? The shift works. The shift works by. Is it just a it knows the orientation of the quadcopter because it knows how where you mounted it right. where the camera is. If it sees an object move and it tracks it because it, you've marked it on your tablet, the video right. signal, and it says, okay, it's now moving at this rate because it can do frame by frame analysis, right. and it's moving at five meters per second left to right, and maybe it'll go behind this tree. Uh, then I'm gonna go move the camera. Now, oh, I'm on a Phantom, which I don't have actually yaw capability right. on the on the gimbal, so mm -hmm. I'm actually gonna move the quadcopter because I have the radio signals and rotate that left and right just a little bit. And then, oh, the person now is going under me, so I'm going to pan the camera down. So, so it's, it's a camera control with object tracking. So it doesn't have its own sensors is what I'm getting at. It's, it's video. It's, right. But it's piggybacking off of no, the No, no, it has its own video. Oh, it has its own video yeah, camera. Its own video. Okay. That's why it's $600. It's, um, I, I, just, I, I keep thinking, like, all I can think is like this is, you know, I mean, if I could, I, wild Mustangs in northern Nevada, like, could I basically set this at the group of Mustangs and have it sort of track or film? Yes, that's the go, idea. Right? So that's like, the idea. You hover you it, know. and then you can, you know, do some, you know, you can still control it to some extent. Right. You can, you know, raise elevation, you know, <laughs> altitude. You can right. take over it. But the idea is to, you know, raise your quad up uh, or send it somewhere. Send it, you know, uh, waypoint it away 400 feet where over a cliff where there are, you know, a herd, and then on the tablet, drag over the herd, and then it'll pan and theoretically do a graceful pan it's shot. It's such a, I mean, I laugh because part of me is like, and then the NSA got a hold of it, but it's like, you know what, every NSA 35, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, they have much better technology and satellites and cool um, stuff like that, but it's like, it's it's so funny, like, there's a thin line between this being unbelievably cool and thinking of all the stupid things people are going to do with this. Well, and I, I think it's accessory, I, I think the concept is neat, but... DJI released an SDK for its Phantom last year right. uh, when they announced Inspire 1. And you can do that kind of tracking because you have GPS on your phone. Mm -hmm. You have telemetry on your phone with right. IMU, accelerometer. It has telemetry. Right. It can just do some fancy math and know where <laughs> you're moving as long as you have well, within the three-foot three buffer. The fancy math fancy math on inertial tracking stuff is bad. Like It doesn't let me, work let me tell, well. Let me say this. It's, it's coming. Right. I mean, I, I think you have to have... like. Hardware tracking for that kind of stuff is always better than hardware acceleration for that kind of stuff is always better than running it in software, especially when you're talking about shitty ARM processors and phones. Even though they're great ARM processors and phones now, like we're we're not, it's not. I'm gonna say that there's stuff coming out that maybe we can't talk about. Okay, fair enough. I I just think hint. I hint. know. <laughs> I I just think the um, I think that this is a thing that's designed for people who are pro, pro users, not for hobbyists. Well, the, I think probably prosumers, because most yeah. professional users are, are probably have a, a two-person crew with one person and, flying. And, not, and aren't flying shooting. irises or phantoms. F yeah. Fair enough. You know what I mean? mean they're like, building stuff with Ronins and... Part of it's the Bay Area, right? Because there's a lot of people with a lot of money running around here. But there's a lot of DJI phantoms with, with people who, you know... 
they, they, they don't shoot, they don't play golf, they don't collect cars, but they went nuts and they've got like, you know, 3,000. They're not even really serious about it. They've got two or $3,000 worth of drone gear. Right. Um, Again, this is the Bay Area bubble in which we live. But but I'm actually thinking a little bit outside the Bay Area bubble because there's so many people that are just so utterly fascinated, especially, you know, when, when you start getting into sort of the, the first-person perspective mm-hmm. where it's it's – you know, once you get over the fact that you have the worst, the horrible sort of frame rate and the horrible video quality, it is incredibly, oh. uh, yeah, it's yeah. immersive. Well, That's so, so the word I couldn't find. We we <laughs> were out last weekend or early. Was that just the beginning of this week? Or was that last, last week? Last Friday. Yeah, last Friday we went out on a shoot in the East Bay, yeah. um, out in the Moraga Hills. We were shooting at uh, at um, some quad stuff, and yeah. people just kept walking up. Right when we were up at the top of a big giant hill, right. So people are interested. People are really curious about it. Um, I think that this is a real special use item, though. I think, yeah. and 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 agreed. Yeah, I, I think that the point is that there will be there are a lot of cool startups coming up to trying to find ways to make these more than just RC hobbyists. Like you right. didn't see a whole industry popping around RC race cars to turn them into film production equipment no. and or other or or you know or surveying equipment well these are much more useful equipment. and because of the usefulness of yeah. multi-rotors there are many cool startups doing these things and, and that's a good thing and i mean if you more compare what life. if you compare 600 bucks on this to the cost of a computer controlled jib right i mean it's a, this is you could buy 20 of these for what one of those is going to cost to rent for a day or two i, I know i know yeah, um, but I mean, also, I mean, it's just like the the running theme in my life right now, and and probably this, at least the second or third time I've said it in this podcast, it's like we need more battery life. That's a larger conversation for another day because I would disagree <laughs> on on quads. I think we're doing pretty good. I think if you have a 15, 20 minute quad flight, for what most people are using them for sure. today, you're good. I don't want quads that people can leave up all day with good batteries. I want them to be. I, I like 20, 20 minutes is a nice safe amount of time. Oh, it's mm-hmm. a turbine air turbine powered. Solar powered quad. It's nice that Will's even more paranoid than I am. <laughs> where you have no idea. Um, we're about to run out of time, so I'm going to run through the last two okay. things real quick. Um, FedEx and UPS aren't shipping cheap CNC mills that are designed to make firearms. Seems like they'll ship every other That's cheap CNC bogus. mill. Cody it's, Wilson is so pissed off. Yeah, and he should be. I mean, you, you, they'll ship a milling machine. They'll ship 80% lowers. I know because I've gotten 80% lowers on FedEx. They'll ship milling tools. Right. They'll ship hand files. They'll ship everything. They, they, it doesn't know if the, it's if you hit the button, you are making it, period. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's I understand their reticence because I don't know, they have nothing better to do today, but the somebody else will ship them or they'll ship them UPS. There is there no, is UPS is backed out too. Um, as of this morning, I, I, you DHL know, is always there. Q law, I mean, you know, fire up the lawsuits. I mean, yeah. it's there's the whole boy, we could talk, I could, I could probably put everybody to sleep with everything I've read about 80% lowers in the last year, so I'll just... We'll, we'll have to have it on again sometime. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a curious discussion, but um, there's nothing illegal being done by them. I, I, I agree completely, actually, on this one, but anyway, uh, FedEx, is co- FedEx has a cowardly lawyer who wants to cover their ass, is my takeaway. Well, that's um, the lawyer's Which job. is what lawyers are supposed to do, right? I know. CYA. Avoid, avoid litigation. That's the... That's the <laughs> It seems like you go to law school for three years and all they teach you is avoid litigation from my interactions with lawyers. Um, and then the, <laughs> the last thing is that Citizen Four is on HBO. I don't know if it's on HBO Go yet, but I think people should watch that. Oh, House of Cards starts Friday. And House, House of Cards starts on Friday. Starts Friday. Of and HBO. in like oh, two wait. weeks, the Scientology documentary is coming out. And uh, I cannot wait for new that. Uh, I'm going to play some music. We're going to talk about what we've been testing uh, uh, very quickly. 
Norman Chan, you have a Galaxy Gear. I got two things. They're related. Finally got the Note 4 in. That's a big ass phone. It is really well. It, it looks like a big ass phone, but let's do a quick comparison. It's about the right same now, size as the Duke. I think it's about the same size as the uh, iPhone. Duke's a little taller. Taller <laughs> and oh, no. iPhone's thinner, uh, but uh, I think it's size for size. It's very comparable. Yeah, I, I picked. I, I when I held that yesterday, I was like, oh, it's the same size as my phone. But you, it's uh, one of you want to give them up. Twenty five sixty by fourteen forty display. You know your replaceable battery. Everyone knows this. S right. Pen. You can do multitasking. Resizable browser windows. That Samsung Ooh. software is still hot garbage. Um, that's why I'm running the the Google Now uh, <laughs> or the Google Now launcher. Uh, Samsung. I mean, it's, it's still Samsung software. They want to throw the kitchen uh, sink in here. Uh, but this screen. Oh my god. Those icons are so fuggo, man. Um, okay, <laughs> let's talk about the Gear VR. Because I we were down south yesterday at a shoot, and I rode a substantial portion of the ride back from Santa Cruz with that thing on, and I have thoughts. What are your thoughts, Will? <laughs> um, so the Gear VR is the plastic shell that you put the Note 4 into. Uh, it is super-duper interesting. It is not something that anyone should buy to use unless you're going to build apps. It is really profoundly uncomfortable for any length of time at all. Maybe it's just your head, man. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, I don't have. I need a counterbalance on the back to right. to outweigh the six pounds or whatever that thing weighs. So on basically, the front. it's not it's, six. Okay, so it is much heavier. It's heavier because it's front loaded because it's it's the phone. It right? pushes no, down on your nose in a um, really uncomfortable way. And so having use, uh, you know, the Crescent Bay prototype, for example, sure. the Oculus, uh, they ergonomics. They put a lot of the hardware in the back. It's lighter in the front. Uh, there's still a head strap here. The back strap is interesting because a lot of the, you imagine a lot of the media viewing stuff you would do just lean back experiences. Sure. You know the virtual cinema, which I think is the best app on this thing. But then the back brace then bumps against your seat. Oh, that's um, annoying. So you can't you can't tilt your like if you were in an airplane you were reclining you can't tilt your head back because it's uncomfortable. So it's really really cool until you try to use it. In which case then it's it becomes, not even really really cool until you try to use some it. of the, some of the games are fun. Uh, the virtual cinema I think is fantastic mm-hmm. um, it's not just that it really makes you feel like you're, uh, you're the, the presence of sitting down in sure. a, a cinema but because they programmed it so the light that comes out of the screen is reflected in the room kind of like the ambient you know, the glow sure. of the cinema that you get you know when the preview the green preview comes up for a pre- trailer that like illuminates the room it's right. really that, convincing that stuff was great the the problem i had was that in the moving car because it uses an accelerometer and gyroscope to do head movement tracking <laughs> every <laughs> time you went around a corner it drifted oh that's funny. um which basically means that like m- my use case for this is put it on while you're on the airplane and watch a movie on an 80 foot screen i don't think you're gonna be able to do you're gonna go on a plane trip next next week i think norm right and you're yep. gonna try it there um i was pretty like was not good in the like. I don't get motion you were sick. Underwhelmed. I I don't I don't I just I don't get motion right. sick. Um, playing Temple Run, which is a thing that is not the best experience on that in the first place. Right in the car, I almost had to ask to pull over at one point. Like oh, it was yeah. Chunder City. I can believe that. Um. So yeah, I mean it's it's promising. The from a VR standpoint, the screen and the and the headset worked really well. It's just it's just issues of things comfort and and. I, I think they have to start using the camera to do tracking in places where the where you're in a moving environment. Or we were going like to talk about this much in depth yeah. later on. Um, we've only skimmed the surface, uh, but we have it. Um, last week we talked about the Blu-ray Ripper. Uh, we, we're calling it the Tested Transcoder. You'll like this. This is this is the right kind of dumb <laughs> for you. Um, basically, a, a friend of ours, Andy McCurdy, and I have been working on a thing for a few weeks now. Uh, that's a virtual machine 
that we run up using Vagrant. Do you know what Vagrant is? Vaguely. It's a it's a um, it's basically a scripting system that right. lets you provision virtual machines for programmers oh, really cool. quickly. So instead of ha- like if I want to give you a virtual machine instead of sending you a two ter- two gigabyte file right. or twenty gigabyte file, whatever size it is, I just send you the list of Linux commands that run after like here's the ISO to download oh, cool. to start it up, and then here's all the commands to get the 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 development environment where right. you want. Um, and they usually use it to run like local servers when you're building when you're doing web development. I was like, oh hey, we can run Don Melton's handbrake scripts. <laughs> you know what you know Don yeah. Melton. Um, we can run those in a Linux VM, so people who don't know anything about Bash scripting or have an environment that can run Bash scripting can just use this as a black box, mount a couple of files in the wow. VM on your hard drive, and basically what happens is you rip a, a, a Blu-ray with a Make MKV put the resulting 30 right. gig file into an input folder and then like three or four hours later a, could, an could, eight gig out could, folder uh, a video comes out of the output folder it would have been nice if you did this before i like commenced finishing the the rip monster 4000 oh <laughs> well although you can't unless you have like eight drives you can't rip eight blu-rays simultaneously so well four i guess i'm doing right now but i've had to put more blu-ray drives in my machine to keep up with the pace oh, of this awesome. thing yeah um, we released a, a kind of beta release last Friday, I think, Friday night late. If you want to find out about it, there's a sticky thread on the tested forums, tested.com oh, cool. slash forums. It's like the number two or number three thread. Uh, I really would appreciate feedback from people. I know mm-hmm. it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing to set up. Basically, to set it up, you install Vagrant, and then you make sure you have VirtualBox installed, and then you run this script, and then a bunch of stuff happens, and you have a VM that does exactly what you want like three minutes later. That's fucking um, awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, like we, I've been talking to Don. Actually, he reached out after we released it and was like, oh, this is really cool. I've been meaning to do something like this for a long time. But let's um, we're working on getting a profile that it, the goal isn't to rip everything perfectly. Right. The goal is to make it so that like 90 percent of the things you rip don't require human intervention and then fix the other 10 percent manually using right. handbrake or whatever. Um, but the results have been really good. Uh, and I'm interested to hear what people think. So go try it out. Uh, it's on the forums. It's like the number two or number three post. It's sticky at the top. Yay. Um, uh, and I've been writing a unicycle. That's right. An electric unicycle. The Focus Designs oh, no. SBU. It's a self-balancing unicycle. This is the one where you like your feet go on either side of the wheel and the wheel's like a foot high. Uh, wheel's a little tall. It's not like a it's not like a 36-inch unicycle like you see riding around the streets of San Francisco. I was thinking of the ones that were running around CES. No, 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 no. Oh, this no. actually looks like a unicycle. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah this, is, looks- this has a seat. Um, so <laughs> it's it balances. It, I'm envisioning you in a bicycle helmet with like your hands clamped to the seat, leaning forward into the wind, your beard blowing back. The only you, rule is you can't grab the seat. Oh, really? Yeah, if you grab the seat, you wipe out pretty much every time. Oh, wow. Um, so it balances forward and back, uh-huh. which is the hard part of unicycle riding. It right. doesn't balance side to side. Um, and there's no pedaling. You just have two feet feet pedals on either side so you kind of kick off and lean forward and thrust your hips forward to go forward there's an act of trust rock back to go back <laughs> um it's super fun are you it's commuting by a not yet i'm not quite i'm not quite there yet <laughs> um turning like i i at, at one point in my life i was a reasonably proficient unicycle rider um it turning on it is completely different than normal unicycle turning like with a unicycle you kind of just kick you use torque basically and shift your hips to spin it around. I'm just laughing because, like, you know. Oh, it's I've, a funny I've, image. I've been in things like this where, like, the, the, the virtual version of something was completely different from the way the real sport worked. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, this is, this is very similar. Yeah. Um, I've been writing, I wrote it around uh, the mission the other day, 
because I figured that was an appropriate place to ride an electric <laughs> unicycle. Yes, um, and it's 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 not like you can carry you can carry bags with it, which is interesting. Like you can do that with your with the with the electric skateboards as well. And that's one of the things. Like if if a thing to go a mile or two, mm-hmm. if I can't carry my grocery bags back with it, right? I'm it's kind of useless. <laughs> so chariot. Yeah, the chair. I need the dragging chariot, I guess. Uh, we'll do a video on that when we're, when I've tested it a little bit longer. That's so awesome. And become more proficient. But but the interesting thing to me was that the ramp for that was about 20 minutes. Right. 20 minutes to the first kind of successful 10-foot ride. That's a pretty short unicycle yeah. ramping experience. And then maybe, say, f- I, I basically did 20 or th- until my right. ass was sore four or five days in a row. And at the end of that, I felt like I was proficient enough to ride on a real sidewalk. So, um we talked about the the Moto E. I think that's probably it. Yeah. There's one more thing uh, we just got in that we've been testing uh, is a handheld gimbal, three axis gimbal for a GoPro, oh, cool. and Joey's been testing that. It's like kind of like the Inspire One uh, handheld gimbal that we saw at CES, except there's a standalone accessory. Um, so it's interesting to have a three axis gimbal with a GoPro on that you can handheld and walk around. That's pretty cool. And uh, do some stabilized shots. Um, so. I guess that'll do it for us, Patrick. I know you have a hard out. I appreciate you coming in. You came in at the last minute for us today because we had to oh, rearrange our schedule this pleasure. week. Can I mention one thing real quick? Yeah, of course. High Resolution Technologies, uh, they do the iStreamer at a bunch of like two, $300 DAX. Uh, they have a Kickstarter right now. Uh, these just showed up uh, earlier this week. One's the IDSP, which you use with a Apple camera connector. So these are, are digital to audio converters yeah, this, for headphones? Yeah. So basically, this one connects into the lightning adapter on an iPhone. Uh, the regular DSP will do... Uh, Android, Windows, OS 10, and older iOS devices with 30-pin adapters. If you use the old camera adapter, fantastic sound for 70 bucks. You can get them on the Kickstarter That's awesome. for like 60 bucks. Um, I was actually, I I expected it to be a little better than the onboard digital analog converter inside the iPhone. It was a spectacular improvement. Oh, that's good. I mean, I mean you know, the iPhone in, in has a reputation, audio. right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, generally speaking, they, they've always done pretty good jobs playing audio, but the the low end, the bass, the it was just it was much tighter and denser and heavier and had a huge sound stage. I was actually pleasantly surprised with how much better the audio was. So hmm. that's a Kickstarter project you can check out. These are going to be selling for about seventy bucks. Does it have a battery, or is it? Um, uh, no, it's just it's a, just powered off the lightning. Just a USB cable. It's okay. powered off the lightning port or and off it of the USB. Treats port. it like a external speaker. Yeah, basically, it, it uh, you know everything I plugged it into so far is automatically. It's you know standard USB audio driver, so it just automatically recognizes yeah. it and starts feeding audio to it. That's great. That's I've, awesome. I was surprised actually how good it sounded. Um, and for seventy bucks, it's not outrageously priced. Patrick Norton, thank you for coming by. People can Thanks find you me. at at Patrick Norton on Twitter. Or at tech yeah. thing? Uh, at tech thing, at Patrick Norton, or techthing.com or youtube.com slash C slash tech thing, where I do a show with Shannon. T E K. T E K. T H I N G. T E K. T H I N G, $9. T E C H. T H I N G, like $4,000. Yeah. Well, $2,300. Yeah. So. I mean, real words. Words are hard. You this know? why everything has a made up name these I'm days. I'm a lit major. Everything's malleable. Poetic license. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by. Um, you guys, guys should check out Patrick's stuff. It, it's always awesome. It's good to see you again, sir. My pleasure. Um, today's outro comes to us from B77W. <laughs> it's about my little pony. See you guys <gasps> next week. Hi there. I didn't see you. That's it. Yes, so that's what I like about my little pony rainbow magic. That's it.